Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Melinda Skelton's Atlanta Living, sponsored by Granite Transformations. Done in a day, beautiful for life. And welcome back to our second hour of Atlanta Living, where we are broadcasting live from Atlanta Food and Wine Festival on this gorgeous Saturday. I got some good news for you and some bad news for you. This is a not-to-miss event. Bad news? You missed it. You missed it. (laughs) Tickets are sold out. So put it on your next year's calendar. Start about Valentine's Day uh, looking for emails, getting your tickets because it sells out quickly. And um, we've, let's see, from our chef, um, Adam, from last half hour, he's pickled shrimp, he's heading the way, and, and some chocolates. I can't wait to dive into that. But right now we have David Bancroft. He uh, was born in Mobile, Alabama. And then you, you went west of the Mississippi just a little bit to uh, San Antonio, Texas. That's right. And then, you know, you got a calling to come back. I came back to attend Auburn University, War Eagle. <laughs> what what year were you there? Uh, I started school in 2001, and then I started cooking at about probably 2004, my senior year of college. That was the year Auburn got screwed out of the national title. That was right? exactly yeah, the year. Yeah, I remember. That was, that's a, they went undefeated, Belinda, and didn't get a shot at the national title. I'm so sorry for you. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Good <laughs> <laughs> But uh, quickly, your fraternity brother saw that you loved to cook. That's where I really started cooking. Uh, I was always frying catfish and smoking Boston butts and briskets, and uh, I decided I really wanted to, to test it out in a restaurant, so I jumped in one of the local restaurant scenes there, and uh, from there I learned how to uh, farm myself and grow the food. Obviously, we source from local farmers as well, but, but really getting my hands in the dirt and the soil uh, and, and try to get food back to its natural state. And that's where we got the concept to open our own restaurant, and we bought an acre of land, and we built Acre Restaurant on that acre of land. For folks heading from Atlanta that want to go to your restaurant, it's um, 85, right? You take 85 Straight to Auburn? 85 to College Street. College that's Street, literally okay. two right turns. I was, I was actually at that that's exit all. last weekend at Starbucks. I stopped. We were driving to Florida, and I needed coffee, so I stopped at the, at the Auburn exit. War Eagle. Yeah, that's I bet right. you know all the Starbucks, Mark, along any route, need- and the bathrooms. <laughs> I can usually kill two birds with one stone at a Starbucks. Okay. So you found this, this acre of land literally in downtown Auburn, mm-hmm. and um, it was kind of derelict. It was just a kudzu patch by the time we got it. And you made uh, something out of nothing. We built the restaurant, and then obviously the city required uh, beautification. So instead of us planting shrubs and crepe myrtles and whatnot, we went in and we planted apples, plums, peaches, pears, pomegranates, figs, persimmons, blueberries, um, blackberries. We did Meyer lemons. We did satsumas. 
We have pineapple guava, bay laurel, I didn't know rosemary. some of that stuff would even grow in our zone. They grow in a parking lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't get things to grow at all. I can't get a fern to grow, but you can grow guava. Well, we have guava blossoms right now, and so this is going to be our first real testament to see if we can actually get any, gua any guava to grow. But um, if they don't grow, then we have nice shrubs. Now, are and you, we meet the beautification. Are, um, David, are you growing enough for the restaurant to totally eat all that you require out of that one acre? We're not a fully sustainable restaurant, no, okay. but we're, we practice sustainability. Our focus is um, to support the community in all efforts as much as possible. We try to get as much on our acre to grow as, as, as we can. We have, obviously, a cornfield that we just put in this year. It's got two varietals of corn peaches and cream and uh, silver queen corn. Mm -hmm. We've got a watermelon patch with crins uh, crimson sweet melons. We've got cantaloupes this year. Uh, we added a whole zucchini and squash patch. Let me see if you're doing the farming yourself. Yep, he's doing the farming himself. <laughs> Those are calluses. Those are calluses. Turn your head and cough. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing yeah. there for a second. Let me see what you're doing <laughs> on the look farm. look at your hands. Let me see what you're doing on the farm. But you are obviously hands on. Uh, I had an intern for a little while uh, working with Auburn University. Obviously, we have a lot of resources, so I had an intern with the agriculture program, and school got too hard, and, and he had to go back and study, so I was right back to solo again. Um, and some of my chefs now, I've, I've just hired a new chef de cuisine, uh, my friend Caleb, who is doing an excellent job and loves getting his hands dirty as well. Uh, another kid that spent some time in Texas, so uh, it's, it's fun getting a staff involved that doesn't have that kind of experience to teach them you know we spend so much time as a chef trying to manipulate food and use chemicals and scientifically change it i'm starting to regress where now i just like to see it with the dirt and the roots attached and, yeah and i love that so yeah and just rinse it off and do very little to it and plate it we were picking beets and carrots the other day and these women were walking in about six o'clock and said can i have those it's like you want these vegetables so we walked right in the door i said go sit down <laughs> And we washed them, cut them, sliced them, diced them. We did some whipped goat cheese uh, with my friend Tashia's Belshev and a little bit of olive oil, and that was it. I've heard of picking your own lobster out of the tank before, yeah. but never your own vegetables. A little, That's amazing. A little crane game, lobster yeah. game. That would be cool if you let uh, customers go pick their own vegetables, bring it in, and then you cooked them for them. We do that with vegans sometimes. The vegan will come in and say, what do you have for me? So we'll want you come out and pick it. That's awesome. It's that yours. is awesome. Yeah. You know, Mark has recently dropped meat from the diet. Yeah, seven months now. And, and I was the biggest meat eater in the oh, history of meat eaters. Biggest carnivore you've yeah. ever seen. What happened to that hamburger that was just sitting over here? Uh, Alonzo. Okay, uh, Lorenzo, okay, rather. Okay. <laughs> Lorenzo downed it. All right, okay, okay. <laughs> so in, in our meat, um, you know, from what the consumers buy, so much goes into hormones and um, antibiotics and, and things that, you know, the layperson, when I'm buying it, I have no idea mm -hmm. what I'm buying most times. Well, you look at that hamburger that just hit the table. That was from um, Brasstown Beef in North Carolina. That's Steve Whitmere over there and his son, Whit, Whit, Whit Whitmere. Uh, they're both They wearing... named him Whit, Whitmere? Whit, Whitmere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But Eric both, Erickson. Uh, in, their, in their cowboy hats, they, uh, there's his card. And they're cowboy hats, but those guys are hormone antibiotic free, and, and people now uh, are trying to get cleaner product to the table in all formats. They're trying to get uh, cleaner meats, cleaner vegetables, and chefs are becoming much more aware and, and, and conscious of the food that we are serving to our customers, serving to our neighbors, 
and our families. Okay, but you can, at a restaurant, you can buy from them, but where can the home cook find their beef and meat? Call Steve. Okay. That's his card. Everybody call Steve. Pound <laughs> Steve. Pound, pound Steve. Let's see. Whit at BrasstownBeef.com. We'll give him a shout out. Or at www.BrasstownBeef.com. I should get a discount now. You should. Yeah, no. You should. Okay, so what are you serving today? Um, this morning I did a barbecue smackdown. Tonight I'm doing an oh, event. Oh, well, back up. Don't rush through that. How <laughs> okay. did, how'd it go? Um, it went well. It was a, a good buddy of mine, Rob McDaniel, and we were with Southern Living, and we did an Alabama barbecue smackdown. Because was, that could have gone either way because you spent a lot of time in San Antonio, Texas, yeah. and you probably think that barbecue is going to be beef. Beef brisket. Well, we did all three. We did chicken with white sauce, pork with yellow sauce. Yellow uh, white like sauce. Like mustard sauce. You have the mayo sauce, the mustard sauce, and then you have the red sauce. Okay. So we did all three. Okay. And then tonight, um, my dish is Franks and Beans at the Rathman Watch Party, mm. uh -huh. and I'm doing smoked bacon sausage. So I ground bacon that we made in, at the restaurant, we ground it into sausage, and then we smoked it again. Wow. I'm doing that with refried baked beans, pecan mustard, and sorghum hot sauce. Oh my gosh. And then tomorrow I'll be in the tasting tent on the Southern Trail, and I'm doing uh, vegetarian tamales. <laughs> I'm doing collard greens as the husk, and then I'm gonna stuff it with sweet potato cornbread, and then on the inside is going to be a zucchini sausage, which got roasted chickpeas, kind of as the uh, emulsifier in that. That and then homemade hot sauce. Delicious. How do these inspirations come to you? So I think it's vegan. I, I'm not hardcore. I eat fish and cheese and eggs, and all I, I probably I'll probably eat meat at some point today, just because <laughs> I'm not that strong. -willed. But I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a meat guy. Like I'm, I'm here in my cowboy boots now. But I did a, a vegetarian dish, and my chefs looked at me and went, "What?" Yeah, like, what are you doing? It's good. Just wait. I mean, but where does the inspiration for that come from? Because that sounds delicious, but I mean, I wouldn't dream of putting some of those things together. Well, we in the South, we have collard greens, sweet potatoes, cornbread, and right now at the restaurant we've got, still we have collard greens, and we have a bunch of zucchini just popping out everywhere. Right. So I had to find something to do with zucchini, and in the overload, we've got them on two different places on the menu. So I had enough to grind them up and make sausage out of it. Wow. My Aunt Pat, and I'm not going to give the recipe because this is what's going to make me famous, mm -hmm. is her <laughs> summer squash dressing. And it's from an overload of squash dressing. I mean, that's, that's awesome. uh, zucchini. Mm -hmm. And she purees it and makes it into a... a she makes zucchini into squash. That's a miracle. No, well, stop. Wait, 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 wait. So you're saying <laughs> no, almost she, like a tzatziki sauce that you would have cucumber. But, but no, she purees it and makes it into a cornbread dressing. Oh, dre that dressing, kind of dressing. Dressing, yes. Cornbread, cornbread dressing. dressing. I left that. See, I've got to throw you off a little bit. Are you going to take <laughs> my idea? Um, this, I'm going to make it big with this. It, call it Aunt Pat's Summer Squash Dressing. And I'm going to hit it big because this stuff, yep. it, it's like cracks in it or something. It just draws you to it. And we fight over it every family holiday. There you go. So you can find some unusual things when the crops are coming in and, mm -hmm. and have abundant fruit and it's coming out your ears. See, I, I grew up in Texas. I grew up in San Antonio. So when I got to Alabama and started kind of connecting back to my roots. All my grandparents are here. I was born in Mobile. Um, coming back and, and, and using Alabama produce and, and utilizing it in both ways. I do Alabama cuisine, Southern cuisine, and I love Tex-Mex from San Antonio. So this is the an Alabama tamale, quote, end quote. <laughs> an Alabama tamale. All right. Well, you want to give out a website for your restaurant? 
Absolutely. We are www.acreauburn.com. Acreauburn.com. Well, I'm going to make it a must-see on my food to-do list. Please do. So, David Bancroft, thank you so much from Acre um, in Auburn, Alabama. You've been a delight, and you're so cute. So you get out there, <laughs> and you go, you go. I'm not going to tell my wife. You go serve it up. <laughs> Will do. Thank you. Folks, we are broadcasting live from the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival with my buddy Mark Aram. We're going to take a break. More from David and Belinda right after this. Take your quality of life up a notch. A good Southern woman would not show up empty-handed. <laughs> with a new Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. I never thought I would have a dessert with bacon in it. On WSB. are broadcasting live from the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. I'm here with my buddy Mark Aram, who has so graciously given his time off today. Mark, Does really? this count as my community service? It does. <laughs> does this knock a couple hours off my community service bill? It does. I'm not going to ask you why you have to do community <laughs> service. <laughs> and if you go over there and you pick up some trash, that'll even add Done. more to it. Done. Yes. Oh, we've had so much fun. And Buffy just gave me a piece of chocolate to eat, and I'm still on fire. You know, they she to, told you it was going to be spicy. It, well, a little spicy, but I am. Look, go away. Um, <laughs> but it was really spicy. Yeah. I'm still. I, I'm not sure I have taste buds. Your nose is running. I know my eyes are <laughs> my eyes are watering. But anyway, that's where that's where these chefs and culinary artists really push the envelope at these festivals and take food to a whole nother level. Yeah, I'm, I know you don't have a dog, but Thanks. as a dog owner, I feel like my dog right now when I hold a, a, a treat in front of uh -huh. his mouth and won't let him have it like we're sitting right next to the greatest food on the planet and we can't have any yet it's like I, we're, we're dogs that are sitting waiting for a treat what, what was the line I told you earlier water water everywhere not a drop to drink exactly right we're like ah, ah. we're just <laughs> right outside the door y'all go in and enjoy yeah, exactly <laughs> no this is a, a must uh, do event next year for all of you foodies. These are um, recognized chefs from around the country who have assembled here over a hundred and are taking part in the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival and they have demonstrations and tastings and you can buy different levels and so you can participate, you can just eat, you can just watch, you eat, drink and um, be merry. And, and be merry. So when we come back, there'll be more Atlanta living. We're going to be speaking with uh, someone from Southern Living, so stay tuned. Since Atlanta Living. And welcome back to Atlanta Living, where we are broadcasting live from the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. And like we told you before, it is sold out for today, and and we're pretty sure for tomorrow, but we'll establish that by the end of the show. But please, you can get your tickets early next year by about Valentine's Day, and it is an event that must 
not be missed out on next year. So this is the fifth year that they've had this, and it's a four-day festival. It takes place in Midtown Atlanta from Texas to D.C. This decadent weekend of Southern food and drink explores the traditions and the global influences that make the South the destination for culinary explorers. And you've heard our chefs that we've had on today talk about it, how um, how South cuisine and French cuisine is easy to marry, and then uh, that we've had Cajun cuisine and, and food from the bayou, um, how it's just easy to, to combine different cultures. Um, and that's what we're all here to represent is the different cultures and cuisines from around the country. And the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival features nearly 100 classes, carefully curated tasting tents, delicious evening dinners and events all designed to showcase Southern food, drink, and culture. And I just heard someone mention of a tasting tent last night that had Pappy Van Winkle bourbon. And if you are a bourbon drinker, you know how rare it is to get a little Pappy Van Winkle. So that's something you may want to consider for next year is get the passes that can get you in the tasting tents. But the learning experiences also include smart, entertaining cooking and cocktail demonstrations, wine and food tasting seminars, and a panel discussion by, and it's all designed by industry leaders. So these are the people who are charting the course in the culinary world today, and you are learning tips of the trade from people who are making the decisions and using ingredients to their utmost finest. Well, I have with me right now, have a seat, young man. This is Bobby Melvin. He, Robbie. Robbie. You just kind of look like a Bobby. Robbie Melvin, he is the Southern Living Test Kitchen Director. And hello. hello. And so that is the kind of the gold standard in test kitchens is Southern Living. So to work for Southern Living in a test kitchen environment has to be just a thrilling job every day. Well, it's certainly an honor to uh, be able to, to, to do what I do there. I mean, it is uh, called the South's most trusted kitchen for a oh, reason. Yeah. It's uh, built on uh, years, coming up on 50 years in 2016 of uh, dedication to quality and functionality and deliciousness in our recipes. Well, you know, when I'm flipping through Southern Living and I see a, um, a lemon meringue pie, I know when I make that pie, I have no doubts that it's going to come out correctly. Well, that's that's good, but we've done our job. Yeah. Absolutely. So I read where y'all generally test about 20 rep recipes a day. Yes. So are these recipes that l readers have sent in? How does that work? Well, uh, a while back, they used to be uh, almost 100% reader-based uh, recipes from the the food section consisted mm -hmm. of, uh, of reader recipes. Uh, now, in the last several years, we have begun, uh, especially now, we're almost 100% developing all of the food content ourselves. Okay. From the uh, inception of an idea to bringing these ingredients in, to cooking them, to creating something with them uh, to make our own recipes. So let's use the lemon meringue pie again. So 
You're going to feature uh, summer. Everybody loves lemon meringue pie. Pies are on the cover of our June issue. Ooh. We have a, a great uh, pie blowout, if you will, on the inside. So how can you, how many different variations of lemon meringue can you come up with? Well, that, that's, that's a great question. What we try to do there is not so much, uh, we don't want to fix things that aren't broken. Yeah, we just want to breathe a little bit of new life into them. Uh, for a lemon meringue pie, we may want to do something different with a crust. Okay. Uh, we know certain things go well with lemons. Maybe we do some sort of a nut in the crust. Okay. Or maybe we'll take that uh, that lemon curd and maybe we'll spike it with a little booze. Ooh, I we like how a, you're going Yeah, with this. a little, little bourbon, possibly even a little vodka. Um, we just try to take little subtleties and inflect them into these really great you know, old school, tried and true, traditional Southern recipes. Or maybe things that I've always accepted as just something I had to live with, that my meringue weeped, um, that right, maybe right. I could possibly have a meringue that didn't weep. Absolutely. We try to do things uh, that are uh, servicey, is what I have to say. Does this recipe or this story have enough uh, service? And that is what's really important to us, is providing service for the readers. Any little tips we can give to make uh, uh, your life and their life easier, making something as simple as a meringue pie or something a little more detailed like a uh, long-cooked uh, braised dish or something. We try to inflect it with lots of functionality and, and tips to make it easy. Well, you know, like cooking meat right now, the listeners know that I'm obsessed with cooking a pork tenderloin because oh, I yes. just uh -huh. cannot get it to come out right. I'm kind of doing my own test kitchen. Right. Now I'll uh, take it out earlier, uh, leaving a little. You know, I'm doing all my variations on temperature and sure, time sure. And, and everything. And so I guess that's kind of what you're doing in your test kitchen. Oh yes, oh yes. We make uh, we make a lot of mistakes. You know, and we have to we make we have to make those mistakes so the reader doesn't make them. You know, uh, most things we. Uh, are working on usually come out really great, but a lot of things don't, and that's oh, I gotta hear go, your that, worst mess that's up. That's when we go back to the drawing board. Uh, worst mess up, make gosh, me, we've had make us feel better. You know, we have for a while there, uh, especially when we were testing lots of uh, pies, cakes, things of that nature. We had a lot of recipe fails. We posted this photo of this uh, really amazing uh, Mexican hot chocolate multi-tiered cake that the thing just kept falling over. You know, and we kept sitting out all these pictures on via social media <laughs> of like this leaning cake tower and this thing. And it was, you know, and but it took us going through that to figure out, okay, how can we make this perfect? You know, and it was one of those things that you just deal with. Have you ever gotten to the point like you're like, oh, the heck with it, forget this recipe? Well, we kind of have like a, a sort of an unwritten rule that if after the third or fourth pass, if we are still aren't happy with it, it's just worth. It's, it's time to put it to the by the wayside. Well, you know. um, Ina Garden has said that she... Oh, I love some, her. We yes, love her. She's great. That yeah. she, When I interviewed her, she said sometimes she will do 20, 20 takes on oh, sure. a recipe. Yeah, yeah. And I think I would be pulling my hair out. If, yeah, it's, if, well, it's one of those things where many times, I mean, I, when I first, I've only uh, been on board the, the brand for um, a couple of years now, and I came from restaurant kitchens, you know, and... I was having to think about cooking differently and having to do things a little differently. And we were working on this Christmas story uh, of 2013 of just fabulous roast, big, you know, uh, standing the rib Norman roast. The Norman Rockwell roast that's absolutely. on the table. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I just could not get this one right. And I was like, I was ready to like throw in the towel, you know. And but let it was the time food to, stylist take over. Well, it was, and just, well uh, it was the point <laughs> where I just really had to sort of take a step back 
and put it aside for a while and came back and revisited it after kind of not running through it four, five, six, eight times. And then I came back refreshed and it was perfect. So wow. you got to step back every now and again to, to really get to where you want to be. And I, and I read that you use in the Southern Living Test Kitchen um, home cook appliances. Absolutely. Not commercial grade appliances because that no, would no. totally alter everything. It, it would. You know, what we, we our magazine is based for our, you know, our home cooks. Mm-hmm. Even the uh, the chef recipes that will we come in from different chefs who contribute uh, stories and recipes to us, we test them and make them on uh, very nice, but home cooking equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the kind of uh, stoves, ovens, KitchenAids, mixers, blenders, whatever that you're going to have at your house. Right. It doesn't make sense for us to test or develop with uh, some really high end commercial grade convection oven, stove, or or anything really. Now, you send in the morning, you send the staff out to go shopping for the ingredients of the product that you're going to be making that day, and they're going to the the grocery store and the markets like the home cook would. Right. Oh, exactly. We shop at uh, our local markets in uh, in Birmingham, which are comparable to other, you know, names around the South. We shop at Piggly Wiggly, at Publix, at Walmart. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do go to Whole Foods occasionally and a fresh market occasionally, but we know those aren't everywhere. Right. Uh, We know that uh, if there's a Publix in Birmingham, Alabama, there's probably going to be a food lion in Virginia or wherever the case may be. It's something that is very comparable to that and somewhere they can go and find what we're we're getting. Now, when you... um do the shopping and things do you in the recipe name specific brands of products oh we do we do we've branded uh like butter flour uh oil different things like that like for instance we only use a uh, white lily uh, uh flour when we make biscuits and breads okay we only use pillsbury unbleached uh flour you know we have certain things that we've branded uh, that we know, that we trust. Land O'Lakes butter, mm-hmm. the only butter we use, because we, we, we trust it, we know it. We love uh, Hellman's mayonnaise. Uh, we also love Duke's mayonnaise. They both have different purposes for well, us. Well, mayonnaise is the Antichrist, and I'll forgive you for that, but that's okay. What is now? Mayonnaise is the Antichrist. Mayonnaise? Oh, come on now. Yeah. I love it's, mayonnaise. Okay. It's the glue that this keeps interview, the South together. This interview's <laughs> over. No. It's the glue that keeps the South together. I love that. I'm stealing that. Oh, gross, gross, gross. Well, Southern Living has been around and um, is just a staple in my house. I'm so and, glad to hear that. Um, uh, uh, many houses, and it has it has really kept up with the times, unlike a lot of other magazines that have just not kept up with the trends. Well, we're trying, you know, and it, it's 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 tough because we are, are based on Southern tradition. Uh, our readers are rooted in Southern foodways, uh, and not just with food, with everything, with their uh, with their entertaining, with their decorating, with their gardening. You know, but it is our job to always honor those traditions and respect them, yet keep one foot firmly planted in the future. And by doing uh, some things that are going to continue those on to the next generations and generations to come. So you feel like you've come full circle in this journey by being the director of the test kitchen at Southern Living. Co- completely. You know, it's uh, been the the most humbling cooking job I've had. I've had lots of, of, of chef jobs and cooking jobs, you know. Um, but Is just it just because you don't have to do the dishes anymore? 
We still do some dishes, you know, but yeah, yeah, that, that helps. That helps <laughs> with the motivation for sure. But what it's really, you know, it's we have, you know, millions of readers that depend on us. And there's a big difference in doing something for millions of readers and 60 to 80 to maybe 120 guests right. in a restaurant. Right. Um, the quality still got to be there. Uh, all these things still need to work the same way, but it's... Uh, you know, it, it's humbling and challenging, and, and again, I feel very honored to be a part of it. I mean, I'm in a, plus I'm learning more about food now than I really ever have. You know, it's, oh. um, it's amazing. Well, Robbie, is very nice to meet you. And you now as well, yeah. I will look at those recipes in depth when I'm Please looking do. at the magazine yes. and know everything that's gone into testing those recipes well, at Southern thank you. Living. Yeah, it's, uh, our June issue is spectacular. Uh, great pie feature. We have a, is uh, there a lemon meringue in there, though? There is, yes. Okay, yes. because it's really hard to find a true... The lemon pie is a key lime pie that's phenomenal. Okay. The key lime, you got to try. It's great. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it on the list. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much for You're joining us. You're very welcome. Us. Glad to be here. Folks, you've been listening to Atlanta Living. We're broadcasting live from the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. Coming up next, Mark and I are going to round it out with uh, Dominique Love, one of the founders of the festival, and see what she has up her sleeve for next year. You're listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. From the best places to dine out. Those toilets are awful. I know. To the secrets of throwing a great party. Who doesn't love bacon? It's the new Melinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. There is so much about wine right now. On WSB. And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. We are going to finish it up with two characters from <laughs> the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. Dominique Love, who is one of the founders, and Ted Lee, who's one of the brothers that I interviewed the other day, and we just had the greatest time. So you two, you've been working really hard, and this festival is going off without a hitch and everybody's having a blast the food is wonderful the weather is perfect so kudos to you thank you very thank you very much i like being called characters i've been telling everyone i'm the intern this weekend so <laughs> i don't think that's gonna fly it's working really well i can kind of get in and get out and you know pretend like i'm on a big job for the big boss the big boss <laughs> well you have to be pleased um the chef's have just been delightful the food is so delicious and we're telling people they really need to get their tickets ahead of time we're short on time now so give out a website for people to get their tickets early next year uh, atlfoodandwinefestival.com atlfoodandwinefestival.com Ted, I love you and your brother to pieces. We love you too. It's okay. great to be back with you. We've got to do it again soon. Folks, you've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSME. And a big hug to Mark Aram for spending his afternoon with us. Thank you. Coming up next, Monica Perez. Stay tuned. I came from a low-income family that was, that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.